Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. This is Albert Hardy. I wanted to read to you today something out of Isaiah chapter 2. I don't know that I've ever gone there, but I need to. The word of the uh, of that Isaiah, the son of Amaz, spoke concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in the last days, that's where we're at right now, in my opinion, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be, ex- be exalted above the hills, and all nations, all nations shall flow unto it. Now, to me, mountains are governments, all governments. Um, shall go to Jerusalem. And many people shall go and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house, see, the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Nowhere else on earth. This is the capital of the earth, in my view. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war any more. Boy, now that, to me, is great news. That is really great news. Verse 5, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Wow. Therefore, you have forsaken your people, the house of Jacob, because they replenished from the east. That means filled with customs. They got out of sync with God and are like soothsayers, like the Philistines. And they please themselves in the, stra- in the children of strangers. That can get very ugly right there. Verse 7, the, their land is also full of silver and gold and Neither is there an end to their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, that is, more than likely vehicles. Neither is there any end to their chariots. Their land is also full of idols, and they worship the works of their own hands, that which their fingers have made. Verse 9, And the mean man that is, the average man, is bowed down and the great man humbles himself in pretense, maybe. He's brought low, therefore forgive them not. Enter into the rock and hide yourself in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. Now, in my view, they will more than likely flee to... Jordan, 
And what's in Jordan? Petra, a place that is really nice nowadays. It's been fixed up and and not only restored, but they've built uh, hotels in there and uh, little shops and stores and things of that nature. They've stocked it with food that will last for at least seven years. That's amazing to me. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. The Lord in that day alone shall be exalted. For the day of the Lord of hosts is upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that is lifted up, and he will be brought low. And upon the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon the oaks of Bashan, and upon the high mountains, and upon the hills that are also lifted up, upon every high tower and every fenced wall, and upon all the ships of Tarshish. Now, I believe, in my opinion, Tarshish was actually somewhere in the English, the British Isles. And upon all the pleasant pictures or the imagery, that's very interesting, the imagery. I didn't realize that was in the King James. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men made low. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And the idols he shall utterly abolish. And the idols he shall utterly abolish. That reminds me of Jeremiah 10.11. I just want to flip over there for a second. 10.11 of Jeremiah says, Thus shall you say to them, the little g gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. Exactly. God is going to abolish all religion. All religion. The the Catholic religion, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the, uh, you name it, Muslims, it's all going to go away. They're going to go away. There will be only the worship of the one and only true God in that day. Not yet, but that day is coming. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks. Verse 19, chapter 2, Isaiah. The holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to terribly shake the earth. It's not talking about a little local earthquake. This is shaking the whole thing, the whole enchilada, all the earth. We'll explore that a little bit. In in that day, verse 20, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made for himself or themselves to worship to the bats and the moles to go into the clefts of the rocks 
and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the shake terribly the earth. He says that again. Seems like when you say something twice, it's for emphasis. Cease from man, and in my view, from uh, fearing men or listening to them, be skeptical a little bit. It doesn't hurt, as long as we seek the truth and find it. Cease from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? It's like God is saying, big deal, O man, you're so pompous and mighty. Let's see you take something that I've made and make it better. You can't do it. You can't do it. You've tried and failed miserably. Well, in verse 30, or I'm sorry, in chapter 30, verse 1, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, that cover with a covering, but it is not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. See, that's why God will allow the World War III to come to the earth. He's punishing them through those that hate Israel. But he's not going to punish forever. He will stop and change things. For example, if we go to 29 and verse 17, we'll start there. This is Isaiah 29, verse 17. Is it not of yet a very little while? And Lebanon, that war-torn area, shall be turned into a fruitful field. And the fruitful field shall be accounted or esteemed as a forest. A food forest? I wrote in the margin. In that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, the Bible, and the eyes of the blind shall see in spite of obscurity and out of darkness, spiritual darkness, I believe. The meek shall also increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one, that is Satan, is brought to nothing. The scorner is consumed, and all that watch for or look for iniquity are cut off. What I think that means is that those that want to take bribes or take tax money when they don't really deserve it just to make money and they do things that are sinful like abortion, do it to make money, shame on them, shame on them, shame on them. The terrible one is brought to nothing, and the scorner consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off. In other words, they're dead meat. God's not going to tolerate it. That a man, um, 
that make a man an offender for a word. Isn't that what we do in America today? We have hate crimes. Come on, man. And lay a snare for him that reproves at the gate and turns aside uh, the just for a thing that doesn't have any value. Therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed because God's going to fix this. But uh, neither shall his face wax pale. And this is King James language. It's a little difficult. But anyway, I'm trying to, going to try to get through it here. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands, in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and shall fear the God of Israel. We don't fear God today. We don't even think he exists. That's what they teach us in college. Nonsense. (laughs) Who built all the universe? How did that get there? It's not the result of a big bang. That is as silly as anything can get. It did not happen that way. How do I know that? It's still going on. It's still going on. This the uh, NASA scientists and, and many other astronomers have found new galaxies every day or every week that weren't there. It was just black, empty space the week before. How does that happen? No, it's not the result of a big bang. That's silly. It's just it doesn't make sense. What does make sense is that God is still building worlds. He's not done. It's not done. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, those planets out there need time to start generating soil and oil and all the other things that God packed into the earth. He wants to make those uh, planets habitable out there, or at least many, many, many of them. How do I know that? Well, let's go to 45 of Isaiah. In verse 8, he says, Drop down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Righteousness is love. Love for neighbor and love for God. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation. God doesn't want a single person to perish. But the choice is up to them. They have to choose to love and serve God. If they're hateful right to the very end, sorry, they're going away. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. In verse 18, he says, For thus says the Lord, that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He made not only the earth, by the way, but the entire heavens, all of it. He has established it. He created it. 
He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. <laughs> wow, well, didn't we ever see that before? How is it that they are not teaching that in church? He says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. In chapter 40, in verse 22, verse 22, he says, It is he that sits on the circle of the earth. That's scientific. The earth is round. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. He that stretched out the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. What? Did we ever see that before? He spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. And it's not just for him. It's for him and his children. He's in the business of making children that do what he does, build worlds and fill them with life. That makes good sense to me. And then in 51.16, another example. He says here, And I have put my words in your mouth, and I've covered you with the shadow of my hand. Why? That I might plant the heavens and lay the foundations in the earth and say to Zion, You're my people. Corey Tenboom had that as her very favorite scripture verse, and it's mine too. I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand that I might plant the heavens. What happens when you do that? What happens when you plant seeds in the garden? They come up, they grow up, and they bear fruit that you can actually eat. That's what sustains our bodies. That's where our food comes from, the earth. We're dirt beings, humus, humus beings, human beings. That's where we came from. I've covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations in the earth and say to Zion, you're my people. God's building people. He is a God of enormous power. Can you create something alive? No, I can't either. There's not a human alive who ever did create anything alive. But we can pass life on through our children. That, I think, is an enormous responsibility and an enormous pleasure and joy. There's nothing better. Brenda and I raised three kids, two boys and a girl. And it was truly a joy. And nowadays, we have two grandchildren that are just amazing and full of uh, life, full of love and full of joy and happiness. They're cousins that are only six months apart boy and a girl, and they just adore one another. And they play together so beautifully most of the time. It's great. I love being a grandfather as well. Well, that's what God loves. He loves his children. He wants 
more and more and more of them. He wants to fill the universe with them. That's what I'm finding here. Wow. Well, what happened to the idea of going to heaven when you die? Well, where does it say that in Scripture? Nowhere. It's not in there. There's no immortal soul. Now, many people get offended at that. There's no immortal soul? Seriously? No. God alone has immortality. Now, where do I find that? It's in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16. Here's what it says. Well, let's see. Let's back up um, to... Uh, we'll start in 13. I give you charge, or urge you, in other words, in the sight of God, who quickens all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, verse 14, that you should keep the commandments without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is that blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only has immortality. Huh. Dwelling in light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting forever. Amen. We had it all wrong. We listened to people who had the wrong idea to start with. They got it all from Plato. If you believe in the immortality of the soul, you're a Platonist, someone who believes the words of Plato a Greek philosopher. It's from philosophy. It's not doctrine. It's not in the Bible any place. Not even one. So go to 1 Timothy 6 and read verse 16. Who, who has immortality? God alone. So we don't have an immortal soul that dies. I mean, when, we, when our bodies die, our souls live on forever. You can't kill the soul, they tell us. Wrong. Well, where do I find something that says that? Okay, well, let's try um, Ezekiel chapter 18. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, what do you mean that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and our children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall not have that saying in use any more as a proverb in Israel. He's going to change things, that's for sure, when he comes. But get this, verse 4. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father, and so the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sins shall die. But, 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 we have immortal souls. We can't die. 
our, our souls can't die. That's not what it says here. The soul that sins shall die. A soul is merely a person. We don't have a soul. We are a soul. Who said that? C.S. Lewis. Verse 20 says much the same thing. The soul that sins, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, and neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if the wicked will turn, See, that's what he wants. He wants repentance. He wants people to change and turn back to him that they might be loved. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he has committed and keep all my statutes instead and do what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Now, Let's say a, a wicked person dies in his wickedness. He comes up in a resurrection, and he's face to face with Jesus. And he says, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please, dear God, forgive me. I didn't know any better. I was a stupid jerk. Well, is God going to turn him away? And he said, "He says, no, it's too late. You should have thought about that when you were back on earth, back in, uh, in your body. No, I can't envision him doing that in the light of this verse. If the wicked shall turn from all his sins that he has committed and keep my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live and not die. This is the Lord God that said that. I didn't make it up. It's right there. Chapter 18 of Ezekiel, verse 21. But the point is that souls are people. They're just persons. The soul that sins shall die. He doesn't want you or me or anybody to sin because he, it would grieve him at his heart because he knows it's going to lead to death. And death is not good compared to life. He wants everybody to come to repentance and live. Well, one place is in Second uh, Peter 3. And verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. He's giving us all the opportunities he can and will so that we might live. Um, let's see. Um, he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Perish, you mean go out of existence? Yes. But that all should come to repentance. Wow. That's what God wants. He wants his children to live and not die. I know of a person who told me that she was 
only interested in the here and now today. She didn't care about living forever. She didn't want to live forever. Well, I don't want to live forever either in the flesh. I want a better body that can last forever and do great things. That's what God has in mind, too. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I invite you to go to my website, itellwhy.com, or jesusiswhy.com. It'll get you the same place. There are amazing videos there that will build your faith, and they're free. I don't have a single ad on the whole website. Go to I Tell Why. That's the simplest way to get there. The letter I, the word tell, T-E-L-L, and then Y, W-H-Y. You can download and print my eight books. There's PDF files right there on the cover sheet. And you can see my podcast there and all the other resources that are available to you for free. It's all done in the public interest. I don't take any money from anybody. You send me money, I'll send it back. I don't want your money. I want to tell the truth. So tune in again next time, next week, if you would, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more good stuff from God's Word. It's a book full of prophecy. What's the value of that? You get to know, you get to see a glimpse into your own future. And it's a happy glimpse when we see the full picture. And Jesus is coming back to reign and rule on the planet, and we'll be with him. What better life could there be? It's going to be great. Keep that in mind and go to the website, itellwhy.com. So until next time, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today.